Hello, my name is Jim Velez, and I feel honored that you have chosen to listen to The Road to Forgiveness. I have counseled for over 32 years and have taught counseling and psychology classes for over 22 years on the college and university level. Some people have experienced incredible pain and loss. They rehearse the past over and over again and relive the injustice, sometimes on a daily basis. In doing so, they become slaves to the very person who hurt them. How can this change? How can you find the freedom that comes with forgiveness? And what is forgiveness? And where can people get stuck in the process? That's what this podcast is all about. In show number two, we're going to talk about the importance of identifying the injury. The first thing that you need to do is identify the injury. And what does that exactly mean? The beginning of wisdom, the Chinese proverb says, is to call something by its right name. And that is so critically important to do. What exactly happened? There are three essential components for identifying the injury. What specifically happened to you? What emotions are you experiencing as a result? And who specifically inflicted pain in your life? These are the three elements that are involved in identifying the injury. In identifying the injury, you want to look and explore all of the different words. Did you just go through a divorce? Or was there betrayal as well? Were there lies? Was there broken trust? Was there abandonment? Was there some type of injustice? You want to go down that mine and mine that shaft out and find all of the different words that describe the depth of the injury and fully identify the injury. There were messages that may have hurt, accusations that were said that you're a liar, or evaluations and judgments that were put forth, I knew you weren't, or statements of preference, I wish you were this and I wish you were that. And perhaps one of the most painful things in identifying the injury is something called disconfirmation. It's an interesting word. It means when a person feels invisible to another, unrecognized, unacknowledged, or without endorsement, it's as though they don't exist. You see, sometimes it's not just what people do to us, it's what they don't do. It's not that what we can see, it's the whole. And the pain and the loss is in the omission of something, not always the commission of it. Disconfirmation, when a person feels invisible to another. You wanna watch for things like this, minimizing, justifying, rationalizing, dissociation or blaming. Because these are ways in which, as defense mechanisms, we keep denial in place. And if we bypass identifying the injury, we may prematurely cauterize the wound. You want to listen for minimizing. It wasn't that bad. Other people have been hurt worse. 
I was just overreacting. I just need to be stronger. Or justifying and rationalizing. They didn't mean to hurt me. They didn't know what to do. They tried their best. They were hurt as well. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say I take a four inch rock and I throw it through a window. What happens to the window? It shatters. What happens if I take a three inch rock and I throw it through a window? What happens to the window? Again, it shatters. If I took a two inch rock and I threw it through the window, what would happen? It shatters again. What if I took a one inch rock and I threw it through the window and it hits the window? What happens to the window? It shatters. So you see, it isn't the size of the rock. It's the damage to the window. So my question to you is this, how's your window? Let me take you to scripture. In Isaiah 53, there's some profound verses describing the Messiah. It says he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now in just taking those verses, let me help you see how God wants us to identify the injury. What is the injury? He is despised, rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, again despised, borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. God wanted us to understand the depth of the wound, the depth of the injury. And it goes on. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Again, what are the wounds? He was wounded, he was bruised. The chastisement, his stripes, hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The scripture continues, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And again, oppressed, afflicted, brought as a lamb to the slaughter. God goes to great lengths to identify the injury for us because he wants us to fully understand it in all its scope. Scripture continues, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And again, the words that come, he was taken from prison, from judgment, cut off, stricken. Over and over again, God says, I want you to fully understand the injury. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. 
When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Again, bruise him, put him to grief, an offering for sin. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And again, travail of the soul, bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. And again, Scripture says very clearly, he poured out his soul unto death, numbered with the transgressors. He bare the sin of many. So over and over and over again, over 30 times, God describes the injury in 10 verses that his son would go through on our behalf. The second part of identifying the injury is to ask the question, what emotions are you experiencing as a result? Emotions are very, very important because we think in emotional footprints. And anytime we experience pain or hurt or loss, an overwhelming number of emotions come into the picture. Years ago, I put together the color of feelings. I put it together because I wanted people to understand how feelings operate. If you look at the angry family, you'll see that the feelings closest to the core are very strong and very powerful, devastated, betrayed, bitter, cheated. Those are feelings in the angry family. If you move further back, you will find those too are feelings in the angry family, frustrated, resentful, irritated, but they're not as intense. And then if you look even further, you'll see hurt, controlled, disgusted, and offended. Those too are feelings in the angry family, but they're least intense. So there are different intensities of emotion, but they're all in the angry family. The opposite of angry is free. And so if someone says, I'm not feeling appreciated or loved or respected, then obviously they'll be up in the red. If someone is not feeling calm and confident and relaxed and trusting or secure or safe, obviously they're going to be in the scared. And so this helps people understand what they feel and what they're not feeling because we think in emotional footprints. Another feeling tool that I put together is called the emotions and journey of grief. This too helps people understand the depth of their losses in terms of the emotions that accompany them. If you look right there, it says how we want grief to work. We want it to go from point A to point B. How grief actually works, it's rather complicated and we can feel all sorts of different things at various times and be overwhelmed or feel abandoned or feel anxiety or feel clinging. And it doesn't always have to involve death. There are many, many times when people experience deep, deep emotions because there's been losses in relationships that have been incredibly painful for them, almost as if it were a death. 
And so the emotions and journey of grief can help people identify emotions as well. Let me show you how feelings work. The moment I clapped my hands, in 2.5 milliseconds, you felt something. In 250 milliseconds, you thought about it. And then you refile it under a feeling. I'm safe. So you could go from shock to, wait a minute, I'm okay. And then you refile it under I'm safe. So literally, you feel, then you think, and then you feel again. Remember when I said we think in emotional footprints? The moment we attach feelings to our hurt, we endow it with immortality. Let me describe it this way. If I were to take a Pepsi can and shake that Pepsi can and then place it down on the table and say, would you open that? You'd say, I don't think so. I don't want, why? Because the Pepsi will go all over because there's pressure inside the can. And so we don't want to touch it. Every person who experiences trauma is like that Pepsi can. They're all shaken up on the inside and there's a lot of pressure in there and a lot of it involves emotion and feeling. Something has to come out of that can before you can ever put something else in. So if you're gonna help people at all, you've got to help them release some of the emotion that's there, some of the power that holds it in and the pressure that builds. And when they can identify what they feel, there can be a tremendous freedom and a tremendous release when they're able to do that. Let me explain to you why the identification of feelings is so important. You see, when we're born, it's as if a life disk goes into the computer and that life disk begins to record all of the events that happen in our life. Our first birthday, when we got our first dog, our first day at school, all of those things are being recorded on the life disk. But if we experience trauma, then things are recorded on the trauma disk. The life disk stays in and it continues to spin because we can't stop having birthdays, we can't stop chronological movement. But now things are recorded on the trauma disk. When the trauma is over, then we can go back to the life disk and it will begin to record again. But there will be gaps, periods of time that we may not have a very vivid recollection of. Why is this important? Because behaviors are on the life disk, things we would like to see different and change in our life. Feelings are on the trauma disk and we survive pain by keeping those two discs apart. Healing comes when we put those two discs on the same disc. There's another interesting fact which may open our understanding in regard to the importance of identifying emotion and feeling. In the center of our brain, there's a little organ called the amygdala, which is the center of our limbic system. Right next to the amygdala is the hippocampus, which is responsible for long-term emotional memory storage. An interesting fact about the hippocampus is that it's constantly making new cells. So we have constant emotional memories, we have the hippocampus constantly making new cells, so it fits together. But one of the fascinating things about the hippocampus is that when the body is under stress, the hippocampus no longer 
makes new cells. That may explain why there seems to be gaps in our memory as well. And the last part of identifying the injury is to identify who specifically inflicted pain in your life. Who is responsible and what did they do wrong? You see, it's difficult to forgive nameless boards and invisible people. It's so much better for us to identify who is the person responsible for what's really happened here. Years ago in South Africa, they had a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And during the course of the commission, they came to the place where they were willing to trade criminal prosecution of apartheid's tortures and executioners in exchange for the truth about what happened. They called it the devil's bargain. What was the devil's bargain? To offer partial amnesty in exchange for truth. And Desmond Tutu asserted that to be able to forgive, one needs to know who one is forgiving and why. That's why it's so important. So when identifying the injury, we have to identify what specifically happened. What am I feeling? And who is responsible? Here are some questions that can help uncover the pain. What pain am I feeling? And how am I defending myself against it? Am I able to admit to myself what I am feeling? Am I able to face the shame I feel about what happened? Am I aware of how much of my own emotional energy is tied up in this memory? Here's some questions to help uncover the pain I may have caused others. What pain have I caused another? And am I in denial about it? Am I able to face the other person's anger and my own sense of guilt? Am I able to face the shame I feel about what I did? Is my emotional energy tied up in what I did? For further information, including charts, posters, video clips, or if you would like a DVD of this entire series, go to theroadtoforgiveness.com.